Hi, this is Dean Leacock, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Yep. Hello, yes, it was a frighteningly good result as the Whites dispose of West Bromwich Albion emphatically on Saturday lunchtime with another Alexander Mitrovic hat-trick taking him on to 18 goals in 15 games. The defending was almost as spookily bad as some of the refereeing, but who cares when it's in our favour. J-Mac and Wigo are here with me trying to find as many Halloween puns as possible as we look back over the game and also look ahead to the Blackburn Rovers game on Wednesday night. The wicked bitch of the West Brom... My name is Matt Boisclair, and this is your Fulham Focus Hocus Pocus podcast. Fulham. Well, lads, happy Sunday, happy Halloween. As per usual, come on, let's have your post-match thoughts. Coming to you first, Wigo. Well, it was really good to get the win. Um, You know, West Brom are a tough side. You know, they are where they are on the table for a reason. Um, but they didn't really put up as much of a fight as I thought they would. Actually, yesterday, they had their chances. And fair enough, you know, they created some great chances. But um, we definitely just seemed too strong with them. Too strong for them, you know, by playing the ball about on the floor. That's not really what they're about as a team. And it's so obvious that uh, Ismail likes to have a hoofball team. And, uh, you know, any sort of sniff of an attacking, in our attacking third. And, uh the centre backs are up and ready to uh, ready to get in the box. So, um, but I'm happy with it overall. Convincing win, and obviously Mitrovic is now on 18 goals. You know he's an absolute cheat code in this league, and um, we're so lucky to have a striker like that. So, uh, yeah, brilliant win. That's that's my opening thoughts in Halloween style. I'm going to keep trying to do more later, but yeah, great, really good, really clinical. I've I've got to say, people might think I sound a bit nuts saying this, but I felt quite sorry for West Brom in the sense that it was just a series of unfortunate events for them the entire game. We were obviously better and we've we've been so so much better than all the teams we've played recently. Our form's amazing. But I feel like we've not only been clinical, but had a lot of luck on our side. And, you know, with the events that unfolded, which we'll discuss in a minute, I've, I feel like West Brom were a tad unlucky, but nothing to take away of how we performed and how Mitrovic performed. I mean, just another hat trick. It's just brilliant. I'm, we're so lucky to have him. I'm, I'm really ecstatic. I got really, really drunk last night, so I'm feeling. I think like all of you lads were feeling quite, quite hungover. But yeah, really fantastic stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, but one thing that struck me about this game actually, I was really expecting West Brom to use the long throw more, but when they did, it just didn't cause us any problems at all. Um, they, West Brom had that spell in the second half, didn't they? Of I don't know, 20 minutes just before Furlong got sent off, where they were on top, maybe because we let them just come at us. But it just it didn't it didn't ever feel like they were going to score. They had a couple of chances, but I, I wasn't ever worried. Were, were either of you ever worried during that game that they were going to get themselves back into the game? I I don't know. They as I said, you know, just re, just now they did have their chances and as you say, with the big men up from the back, they they are a threat in the air. But, you know, we dealt with it really well. And I think we were quite lucky with the fact that, you know, some of the headers and the shots were aimed sort of straight at Rodak. Um, but as you say, there wasn't really like a massive threat from them. Those 20 minutes in the second half did have me worried, to be fair. 
And then, yeah, that sending off just kind of killed the game off. But, um, you know, they're definitely capable. They're an all right side. And, all right, they were probably uh, on the wrong end of some decisions yesterday. But, you know, the players are there. But I just think I just think the style is just isn't a very good style of football, you know, for the club that West Brom are. Um, I definitely feel like they deserve a bit better. And, um, yeah, I think a more attractive style of football would probably suit them more than the long ball, long throw, hoof, you know. So that's just my opinion of it anyway. It's it's funny as well, isn't it, that we've we've managed to win 4-0 and 3-0 without actually looking that good in the last couple of weeks in two quite big games. Forrest being unbeaten in four games or five games since Steve Cooper took over. And then West Brom, big match at the top of the league between second and third. Played all right, didn't play our best, still came away winning 3-0. And that's what makes me think we're going up this season. Because even when we're not playing brilliantly, we're still smashing teams. And not just the crappy teams down around the bottom either, not the cannon fodder. It's the, the better sides of the division we're getting good results against. Well, that's exactly what I think too. And I, I still don't think we're actually even in fourth gear yet with this team. I feel like we're only in third. Uh, I think come the new year, we should be first place. And I think it's all going to gel even more than it already has done. There are just, you're seeing players start to come in absolute fire form. Not just the obvious Mitrovic, but Harrison Reed in that, role going a bit further as a classic number eight now looks fantastic. I always thought that he'd be better going forward and not just playing that number six anchor role. Um, Cabano is just having so much fun now as well. I, I just feel like at the moment, we still haven't seen what we can actually do. I feel like you ain't seen nothing yet to all the people that are impressed by us, the neutrals anyway. Well, that's, a, that's also amazing if you don't think that we're in full force yet because... We saw 36 goals this season. Obviously, Mitro's got 18, but we've got 18 from the other players as well. So we're not just yeah. reliant on Mitrovic's goals anymore like we were last time. Bournemouth have only scored 26. They've scored 10 less goals than us. All right, they're top of the league and they're five points clear of us. But we can make that up, no problem, as long as we keep on keep on winning. And once we start playing well, as, as you say, or playing to our full capabilities, then it's frightening what we could do to this division if, if we carry on like this. It really is. Anyway, let's, let's come on to the game. We spoke a bit in the week leading up to the game about whether or not it would be Tom Kearney or Harrison Reed or Kenny Tete or Dennis Adoy. And Marco Silva went for those with match fitness, Reed and Adoy. Plus, it was also great to see Fabio Carvalho back on the bench. Wigo, thoughts on the lineup? Yeah, I was, I was happy with it. Absolutely. And I... Um... I'd obviously sort of been campaigning for a doy to play at right back throughout the week, um, just for the aerial ability. As I've mentioned a few times, you know, the guy can win a header, can win a ball in the air. He's quite physical, and that was really sort of that'd be really handy to have. And I thought Dennis had a really good game yesterday, um, but obviously the quality, you know, the overall quality just isn't quite as good as Tete. But um, you know, that's just how it is. Tete's not fit. A doy was a you know fine option to have at right back. That was really good. Um, in terms of Harrison Reed, yeah, I mean, I felt a bit sorry for Kenny. He played quite well at Forest. Um, you know, managed a full 90. But we did sort of lack that bit of bite in the midfield. And I feel like going into a game like West Brom, the biggest game of the season so far, we really need that bite in the in that, in that grit in the midfield. Um, so it was probably the right decision overall to put him in in place of Kenny. Um, but as I say, I was happy with it overall. Um, and obviously, unfortunately, Joe Bryan was injured, so I couldn't have him at left back, uh, which was a shame. But yeah, no, overall, I was happy. Were you happy, Wiggle? With, I mean, you've been a fair 
critic of Robinson. I mean, I thought, I thought Robinson had a good game, wouldn't you say? Or was it still a bit hit and miss? I thought he was all right. I mean, there was a couple yeah. of times he gave the ball away, but who doesn't, you know? And I'm not going to be... I, I, I joke about it, really. I'm not going to be overly harsh. <laughs> because everyone, everyone does give the ball away. But, you, you know, he played fine. I wouldn't say he stood out, but he he played fine. He does a job and he's quick. And, you know, I give him credit. If we're... It was a bit more... It was a bit different yesterday with... Uh, the way West Brom were defending, but usually he is absolutely bombing it down the left to get on that overlap for Cabano. And that's where I give Robin, that's where I'll give Robinson credit. All right, the final product isn't there, but he's up there and ready to get that cross in. So yeah, fair play. He played he played all right yesterday. Yeah. It was good to see Carvalho on the bench as well. I mean, there's still in the Riddler territory of not knowing what it means, if it means he's going to stay or sign a contract or not. But he's still a fantastic player, so he's good to have on the bench for sure, and I enjoyed what he did. The small moments of the, what he did when he came on, but yeah, the lineup in general, Frenchie, for me, I was really happy with it. I like Adoy at right back. I'm not saying he's better than Tete, but I actually prefer him ahead of Tete at the moment because Tete, we know, always has an injury in him, and I would like Tete to get up to full fitness and and make sure once he does come back, he doesn't have another injury again this season. Again, the, the absolute state of our bench yesterday was incredible. At this level, to have a bench with Tom Kearney. Muniz, Carvalho, even Michael Hector, you know, it's it's a it's a bloody good bench. And often we've looked at our bench and thought, well, you know, we could bring on Maxi Lamarchon and see the game out, but there's nothing really exciting on that bench, nothing that, to really get the juices flowing. But at any point yesterday during that game, if we'd needed to, we could have stuck Carvalho on, we could have put Kearney on and changed the course of the game. We just didn't need to. And we'll, we'll come on to it in a bit, how, how that second half panned out. But I'm, I'm just, I'm, I love the bench yesterday. And to have those players waiting waiting in the wings is is really good to see. Um, there was an early scare once the game had started when there was a long ball over the top, which went straight underneath Dennis Adoy's boot. Um, and West Brom mounted an attack from it. They had a bit of early pressure, but then we just settled down and found our stride. How did you think the, the, the early stages went, Wigo, of that game from where you were sat? Um, yeah, as you say, obviously, that was, for me, a little bit of a heart-and-mouth moment because, you know, are they going to capitalise on the error? You know, and then if they do, your heads drop a bit. Look at Coventry, that error for the first goal, all of a sudden heads drop and we capitulated. Um, I know it was a lot earlier in the game yesterday, but you still worry, you know, can you bounce back from a mistake? So, you know, fair play for defending well. Um, yeah, as you say, once we got into our stride, it was fine. It was a lot harder for us this week because um, we really, I thought we really struggled to break them down um, for some of the game because they really did sort of load their defence up um, for what I thought was a fairly attacking formation. Um, you know, they, they worked hard defensively and um, we did sort of struggle to find the breakthrough, I thought. Um, so it was quite, we were quite lucky when it did come. But, you know, we deserve to have that breakthrough. We're a lot better than them. And as you say, never felt threatened when they did go forwards um, in the early stages. And they were up for it. They were always going to be up for it. It's a big game. You know, they go above us if they won. Or, you know, as, as it's happened, we've gone four points clear. So it was always going to be a bit of a frantic start from both sides. But, um, yeah, once we settled into the game, you know, we were brilliant and we were much the better side. It's nice to see that with a, a three at the back and high-pressing teams such as West Brom, like the way Coventry did, that we can still win games like this. I mean, you know, they're... Their, full, uh, their wing backs could have done us some damage, but like, just like Wigo saying, we have the quality to out with that midfield duo of Jake Livermore and Robert Snodgrass. We were just able to pass 
our way out of trouble eventually. I mean, I did. We did expect a pressing sort of scenario, and they, we did expect we did see a bit of that in the second half as well. But just our quality completely shone through. It wasn't long before that man Mitro was involved and was sent flying in the penalty area before dusting himself off and burying the spot kick at the Putney end. It wasn't a foul. It wasn't a dive. Um, even Mitro said, I saw his interview that he did with um, with the official channel at the end of the game. And he said it was soft. He felt contact. He went down. Lads, would you have been disappointed to have that penalty given against you? Yeah. <laughs> I probably would to be honest. If I watched the replay, I definitely would. But I um, I think it's like you say, it's not a, it's not a dive. If it is a dive, it's a, it's a very clever one because he doesn't obviously fall flat on his face and do theatrics about it. I, I think I can see why the referee's given it. Looking where the referee is placed, you know, where he's watching it from, from behind, I can see why he's given the penalty. But, you know, watching the replay, certainly not. And, I, you know, this is where I started to feel a bit sorry for them. But absolutely, we'll take it every day, you know? Yeah, we will. And it was a, another well-taken penalty as well. Niskins Cabano had an interesting afternoon, didn't he? He pulled off some unbelievable trickery to get in between, I think, two or three West Brom players right in front of the cottage and then teed up Jean-Michel Serri, who just put the ball over the bar. Then in the second half, he really did miss some some big chances to kill the game off when we played counter-attacking. Talk to me about Cabano, lads. I really like him. And he's really sort of coming to his own this season. And he's finally getting the chances that he deserves. You know, he's. I've always found that he's been a bench player other than sort of towards the end of that uh, last promotion season. Um, just, you know, just before we went out, I think 2020, um, when he was scoring the free kicks. Um, but as you say, the trickery was unbelievable. He's quick and he works, he does work really well with Robinson, actually, I find as well. You know, I was saying earlier about Robinson getting on the overlap. You know, I really like, I really like them as a pairing. Um, but he had to kill the game off. That chance, you know, it, you have to take it. And the pressure that we were under from West Brom as well, it did look like they were going to score. Um, I thought, anyway, you know, the amount of pressure we were under, or, oh, you know, we could concede here and then it's game on. Um, so that would have really killed it off. And then we could have gone on to score even more. Um, but he is taking his chance of starting and he's doing very well. And I I honestly couldn't see anyone pushing him out of the team whatsoever. Um, I don't think he deserves to lose his place in the team. Um, he's put in some very, very good performances. And uh, he's, I think he's crucial this this season. And um, I, the only thing I feel sorry for him on is free kicks. We cannot seem to get a free kick over the bloody wall. And it's not him taking it. It's Mitrovic or it's Wilson. And it goes straight into the wall. And you just think, why is Cabano not on these free kicks? We know he can put them in any corner he wants to. So just let him on them. That's the only criticism I'd have in terms of like the management. Give Cabano the free kick because mm. he can score them. Yeah, I'd like to see Harry Wilson get the free kicks as well. But I, 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 it's nice to see them both share it a little, a little bit more. Um, in regards to Cabano, I just think it's so nice seeing a number seven do number seven things for us. I can't remember the last person who... It might have been actually Ryan Fredericks who wore the number seven shirt after Steve Sidwell, just before... And this was before Ryan Fredericks then got the number two. But just seeing a, a number seven with that amount of trickery and having that much fun, the way he's performing at the moment reminds me a lot of Aluko, just on the, diff, on the other side, under Slav. He's just in a team with full of confidence and able to just drag out the full-backs and also the centre-backs of his play and giving Mitrovic a lot more space. I, I love the guy and I, I hope I hope he stays. If we go up, I hope he's given a bit more respect in the Premier League next season. Not necessarily as a starter, 
but surely as a squad player because he loves the club and he's just he's just such a gent. Love him. He's a real character as well, isn't he? So yeah, I'm here here to that. Uh, I missed the second goal yesterday, annoyingly. I'm totally blaming the lunchtime kickoff for this as I was hungry. So I popped down to grab some food before the halftime cues. And uh, and yeah, just heard the roar up above me in the Hammersmith end. Robert Snodgrass, imagine forgetting Alexander Mitrovic with loitering behind your defence when under it in a back pass. What an assist. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, great, great <laughs> goal, isn't it? I mean, but um, he did... Mitrovic did really well to capitalise on that and he, he had to stretch for it as well um, to get it past Sam Johnson. But that is the sort of striker that you want, isn't it? Like a poacher's instinct. Um, you know, expecting that pass to potentially go back and he's on it like a shot. Um, so, yeah, fantastic from him. Uh, West Brom, yeah, they made some mistakes and you have to capitalise on them. If you want to go up, you've got to capitalise on the other team's mistakes. Um, and we did, to be fair. You know, throughout the whole game, they made a lot of mistakes. Um, and we capitalised on them. So, yeah, brilliant, fair play. Another goal for him. You know, I've not really got much else to add. It was just fantastic uh, instinct from Mitrovic. Yeah, just, I feel sorry for the, this is when they've really started to just fall apart. I mean, just one mistake after the other. It was just their downfall. They just completely had a mare this game. But, I mean, we'll take it. And we've got to be ruthless and show no mercy. It's what the top sides do. And I feel like... You could see how how bad Robert Snodgrass felt about it. He, you know, gave a wave as apology to the fans and to the players. But no, we've we've got to capitalise on that, and we did. Um, great assist, as you said. A, cu- a couple of things about this. So, I think the service that Mitrovic has got, firstly from the Nottingham Forest defenders, and then secondly from Robert Snodgrass yesterday, is the sort of service that an out of form striker needs to to just get a goal out of anywhere. Not when you're absolutely yeah. flying. So imagine giving, imagine giving the best striker in the league, who's absolutely smashing anything into the back of the net at the moment, those sort of absolute superb chances. And secondly, what I really loved about that second Mitrovic goal was the fact that he didn't need to do it, but he just went and slid on his knees and went right oh, yeah. in front of the West West Brom fans for no reason, seemingly at all. He's got no beef with West Brom fans, <laughs> to my knowledge. He's an I absolute shit house, isn't he? He's such a shit house. It was so yeah. funny. I think they've been giving him a bit of grief before as well. And it's happened with yeah, they were. They gave him grief like a couple of minutes before the goal. And then it like backfires massively. So what does he do? Just goes and celebrates in front of them. And uh, you can just see him over the other side, giving him a load of abuse. And uh, you can't help but laugh, really. And I think he loves it as well. It spurs him on. Didn't Mitrovic do the, um, I remember to cut the, the Swansea fans, he did the Cardiff City celebration, something to do with the hand gesture around his head or something like that. It was absolutely brilliant, like that sort of thing. Yeah, he just absolute wind-up merchant. I love him. It's brilliant. Yeah, the yeah. A- a- Ayatollah or something like that. Yeah, and I just saw a thing on Twitter, like, Mitro is a bluebird. He just, he's an <laughs> That's ab- it. He's, yeah. an, he's an absolute shithouse. It's brilliant. In the second half, lads, we sat back, as we said, and it was quite nervy at times. Had we conceded during that spell, I don't think we would have gone on to see the game out. The old cliche goes that 2-0 is a funny old score, and I would have liked to see us just go on the front foot and kill the game off sooner rather than, you know, later, and instead of inviting the pressure on. It's, it's, you either do one or the other, don't you? It's, it's an interesting tactic. You either just say, all right, come and have a go at us then, or we're just going to go in for the kill, go for the third goal. I think, personally, we're good enough to go in and, and go in for the kill and go for that third goal. What, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I mean, we should we should have absolutely probably been a bit more on the front foot. We invited their pressure, but I feel like the tactic was to expect that, and we did suck it up. We did ride out the storm, 
I mean, I, I did get the vibe that we might have had needed to bring Tom Kearney on at some point just to control the game a bit more. But I think we, I think Marcus Silva expected a bit of an onslaught in the second half. But I agree, I would like us to not be so reserved because um, two nil is a scary, a scary scoreline, especially in this. I mean, we, I mean, what was it yesterday? Who scored three goals in five minutes yesterday? Oh, it was um, Cardiff. Cardiff. Stoke. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, brilliant against Stoke, that was it. I mean, so you can never trust a 2-0 lead, let alone 3-0. So I, I agree, this, I would like us to see it push on a bit forward. Go on. Yeah, this is the thing about the substitution question as well, though, because at the time I was thinking, I'd really like to see us bring on a substitute just to change the momentum of the game. But what do you do? Because the game's so delicately poised at 2-0. We, we have got that cushion. If we bring somebody on, it might completely backfire. And they might they might just go on and score. So it, I, I think I think the decision to invite them onto us in the second half was the wrong decision. It paid off in the end, but I think the decision not to make the substitutions until we got that third goal was the right decision. What do you think, Wigo? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because I think there were some tired legs out there as well. Um, so yeah, it's how much do you change it? Would Kearney have uh, changed the game for us and sort of invite, put us on the front foot? No, I don't think he would have. I think it would have been the wrong change personally. Um, mm. You know, I couldn't probably tell you who the right change would be, but I just, I just don't see. I wouldn't see Kenny changing that, uh, that pressure that we're having. You know, we ha- we should have really reacted a little bit more to their subs because they brought in Diangana and um, someone else. Can't remember who it was. You know, quick players sort of change their tactics a little bit. Um, and to try and capitalise on the pressure. And it, yeah, we were very, we were sort of sitting on it. And I don't like it because one goal, you are back in the game. And it's it's a momentum thing. It's confidence. As soon as you've got that goal, bang, we can go and get another. We know how to break down the defence. We've already got one goal. We can do it again. So as you say, it's a wrong decision. you just got to go for it. Just see the game out. You know, get another goal. Get another two or three goals. Because we are good enough for it. We are We are such a good team. And it doesn't matter who we play. We are good enough to beat these teams 3-4-5-0 on our day. Um, so, yeah, yeah. As you said, luck, the luck did come our way a bit. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, the thing to come later on in the game killed it off, really. But I think the only change I potentially would have made would have been to bring uh, Carvalho on, maybe for Bobby Reed, just to try and hit them on the counter-attack whilst they were camping out in our penalty area. Um, and try and get that third goal. But then if we'd have done that, then Bobby Reed wouldn't have been able to fill in at right back um, when Dennis yeah. Adoy moved to centre-half when Tosin went off. So swings and roundabouts, I suppose. Go on, J-Mac. Well, no, I was just going to say, all that being said, how we would like to be more on the front foot and, you know, when we are, you know, just going for it. Marcus Silva, in an interview after the game, did say that he's just very happy to be giving this sort of attacking, how happy the fans, he's making the fans of this football. So even though there was about, you know, a five to ten minute sort of period of feeling a bit unsettled by how they were coming at us. I feel like we still persevered and we did get that third goal and we are still looking. I mean, we are so happy with the swashbuckling form that we're in. So, you know, it's, it's good to yeah. see that actually he's providing the good still. <laughs> well, the, the game did change somewhat when Darnell Furlong was given his marching orders for bringing down Harry Wilson after a superb through ball from Bobby Reed. Again, I think the referee's got this one wrong. I think Darnell Furlong's got the ball. What do you think? Yeah, I thought I thought it was a good tackle at first. When I saw right. it sort of live. I don't know about, at first, I thought, no, that's a red card. Because I thought... Did you? Uh, yeah, live. I thought it looks quite cynical. Reason. But I suppose what you've got to look at as well, Frenchie, is the different angles. You're watching it directly in front of you. Mm. I'm 
in line with it and in line with it from from where I was sitting it looked like he got the ball mm. and I thought that's a bloody brilliant tackle and he's blown up and sent him off mm. it was harsh but oh yeah I don't know it, yeah you know, you might have got the ball. I'm just I'm watching the replay. It does look like he got the ball. Actually, you might be right. It, yeah. Obviously, obviously, it helped us, and we should take it. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was once again sort of rubber the green. I'd be a bit pissed off if that went against us. I think so. Um, yeah, I, I can see both sides to it. But as I say, when I saw it live, I thought that's a really good tackle, um, and he's got the ball pretty clearly from the yeah, angle but... I was sat. I was right in line with it. But Full watching rationale. the replay, I could. Watching the replay, I can see why it, why he has been why he's been given a foul, and why he's been sent off. So, as you say, swings and roundabouts, really. All rationale goes out the window at the time, though. Any time there's one of our players goes down, even if there was nobody <laughs> nobody within six feet of him, even if there's nobody in the same postcode as him, I'm still appealing for it. I'm appealing for that Mitrovic penalty. Don't know what's going on. It's definitely a penalty from where I'm sat at the back of the stand, up the other end of the stadium. Um, well, and that looked like a red to me at the time as well. But clear, clearly, absolutely not. And you'd expect that to get to overturned, wouldn't you? And for that decision to be made at such a crucial point in the game, where it was very, as I said earlier, delicately poised, the, the referees got it wrong. But it's in our favour. So who cares at the end of the day? Quite frankly, I mean, we've had plenty of those decisions gone, that have gone against us as well. And then the result in free kick, as you said earlier, it would have been nice to see Capano have a go. But instead, Harry Wilson booted it into the wall. But Harry Wilson was pretty prolific, by all accounts, last season from free kicks. Um, was he at Cardiff last season, I think? So, yeah, you know, it's uh, I can see why why he'd want to get on them as well. But, yeah, get, get Mitra away from free kicks. So, you know, he takes everything else and he scores plenty of other goals. And I don't think free kicks are Mitra's strong point. Just sort of, as you say, on the ref- um, the decisions, you know, we have them go against us. The problem is with this league is that there's too many of those decisions going either way, either yeah. for us or against us. The standard of refereeing in, in this division is absolutely atrocious, mm. you know, and every time we're down in this league, it doesn't get any better. So, you know, fine, the decisions went for us in this instance and we won the game. Yeah. But if they went against us and we lost 3-0 yesterday, and West Brom went above us, I would be mightily pissed off. Mm. I'd be, I would be livid. So, you know, the refereeing really needs to be sorted out because the standard is absolutely atrocious. Yeah, but mate, the, the, the other option is VAR. And I'd rather sit here and moan about referee decisions yeah. and sit here talking about, oh, that VAR when we scored and then we all celebrated, we all lost our voices and then, yeah. oh, no, referee changed his mind. That's, I'd far that's rather... The thing. Yeah, even it's, the VAR fucked us over last season. Yeah, that's just how it is. You get decisions in VAR that go for and against you. The Tottenham handball last year went against us, VAR. The Wolves goal that got disallowed because his armpit hair was offside, that went for us. You know, it is, yeah. keep using the phrase swings I, and I roundabouts. Can't, Wiggo, I can't is. do this, mate. I can't do this. <laughs> Stop talking about that season. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. shut up. <laughs> yeah. I, know, now I know how much you love Scott Parker, mate. We don't have to keep talking about him and his, and his team, all right? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Um, well, we were pretty wasteful, as we said, when we did get chances in the second half against West Brom. That is until the 82nd minute when Mito got his second hat-trick of the season after good work by Harry Wilson to set him up. Hat-trick or treat. you got to do it. got to <laughs> say it. Yeah, man. Uh, he was... I mean, again, I'm sorry to shit on a really good moment here, but again, it was not lucky, but he, he shoots and then it, go, it comes off... It rebounds off their number six, um, Ajayi, I think it's called. Uh, yeah, Ajayi, Semi Ajayi. I probably pronounced that wrong. 
And then, so it rebounds off him, then goes to Harry Wilson for a cross, and then Mitchell bangs it in. Still a hat-trick, still amazing. Uh, but I just felt like that was a bit unlucky as well. But still, just, he's now got 18 goals yeah. in 15 games. I just think this is, this is an alien, right? I mean, this is completely mad. And I just saw on Sky, he's the top leading goal scorer in all English football leagues at the moment. And it's just so weird seeing him. I know we're in the league below, but to see him above like Salah and all these players and obviously the championship absolute striker master that is Solanke, according to some people, um, it's just a, a joy. You know, we're so, we're, I keep saying this, I'm going to keep saying something, but we're just so lucky to have this guy. I just, I, I love him. And it was just... Such an amazing moment. I wonder if he'll get more hat-tricks this season. I think he probably will. But He's even, yeah, he's even, missed, a pen- he's even missed a penalty this season as well. He should have 19. Who was that against? Was that against Stoke, I think, yeah, um, I think in the last Stoke. minute? The game was already dead and buried. But what, what I have loved this season as well is when he scores, he comes over to the fans every time. And yesterday he came over, pointed mm-hmm. into the badge and celebrated with his teammates. His teammates all buggered off. And then Mitro's turned back around to the Hammersmith end with his arms out as if to say, yes, I am God here. Um, and, and I loved it. And I also loved it at the end of the game when all the players came over. Um, even Seri stood there lapping up whilst we were singing his name. And he, he was going to, he turned around to leave and then realised we were singing his name. And he just stood there and put his hands above his head, absolutely soaking it up. Um, and Mitro and Harry Wilson were being interviewed by Sky on the halfway line. And so many people were waiting for Mitro to come back down and just get on with it, Sky. And everyone, people are singing Sky TV as shit and all that sort of stuff whilst the interview's going on. <laughs> and then, then Mitro just come, comes down to the Hammersmith end with the match ball held above his head, held aloft like a trophy, pointing at the badge, loving it, absolutely loving it. And the relationship between him and the Fulham fans this season has just got stronger and stronger and stronger, hasn't it? Absolutely amazing. There's definitely that passion he's got back for the club. You know, he's always said how much he loves it. And obviously, London's a great place to be. I think he's pretty settled with his family here. And over the summer, you just you just thought, you know, this is going to take a lot to come back from. And as you say, that relationship, I think the relationship between all the players and the fans is just brilliant. There's such a passion. You feel like everyone wants to play for the shirt. You know, you see him tap the badge. All right, it might not mean a lot. But actually, as a fan, all you want is for your players you know, you pay for their wages. You give your money, you give your hard-earned money to go and watch these players. You want them to fight for the shirt. And, you know, and they've been doing it all season. And it's so good to be getting that back, getting something back for it. Um, and it's it's really fantastic to see. And I'm so glad to see that Mitrovic is uh, happy because I think his future was sort of pretty uncertain at the start yeah. of the year. But um, it's great. It's so good to see him playing so well. He's a He's a Fulham legend, right? I mean, surely, I mean, he's a Fulham legend now. I mean, he, it's just, he's one of the family. Um, he, he'll be spoken about for years and years. I mean, also, it was lovely to see him give the match ball. I think it was to his son and, and gave him a nice embrace at the end and everyone cheered as he walked away like the, right at the end as you were talking about Frenchie. But yeah, I'm just, uh, I, I, I just feel like uh, we're seeing someone very, we're seeing something very special here. I mean, he's 28 years old now. Is he 28 or 28? I think he's younger than that. Well, how old is he now? 27 or something? But he's, I mean, he is completely at the height of his powers now. And I just, I really hope that we keep him for another four years, to be honest. But we'll see. He's, at this point in the season, he's scored more goals on his own than nine or ten other championship sides, which is ridiculous. And Baldwin said in the in the team chat yesterday as well, that since signing for Fulham on loan, he's scored more championship goals than any other player. And that's including being out of the championship for two seasons. 
when he was in the Premier League with us. He's he scored more than anybody else during that during that period of time. A ridiculous stat, isn't it? All of it is ridiculous. He's, he's an absolute cheat code, isn't he? Like, all right, he hasn't got the pace, but the strength and the instinct, like that third goal yesterday, the positioning for him, you know, to expect mm. that ball to come in from Wilson is so good. And he's really sort of linking up well with Wilson, Cabano, whoever's playing at number 10, you know, been Bobby Reid recently. It, everyone's just linking up so well and they're finding him. And as you said earlier, he's got 18 goals. Fantastic. But we have scored 18 goals elsewhere as well. So you see all these other, fa- all these uh, opposition fans getting a bit triggered that we're a one-man team. Actually, no, we're not because these players are creating the chances for them. We just happen to have a better striker who's finishing our chances because they don't have that. So it's saltiness and bitterness and I love it. I thrive off it. It's brilliant. I, I do wonder if just looking at that table that I saw in Sky of the squares he scored. I know he's in the league below. I mean, I think he'll definitely have suitors in January. We'll probably we'll throw them, you know, we'll, we'll shrug them off. But in the summer, I think he'll definitely have suitors. I mean, you do wonder what Mitrovic could do in a top six team or even a top two team with the way he plays. If you stuck him in a sort of Aguero role like he did for Man City, I know this sounds a bit dramatic saying that he could play for Man City, but I, I reckon he'd score shitloads in, 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 a, in a team like that. I really do. Just the way he plays and everything, but in a in a team that creates in a team that creates chances, he's a finisher, isn't he? So uh, absolutely, yeah. but you know, you 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 think in in a team like Man City, who who are so quick and there's so much movement that I don't know quite how he'd fit into that team. Um, but he'd just you know, have to I, stand on the penalty spot, wouldn't he? Yeah, they just just put yeah, it, just put it on his foot and it will go in. That's yeah. it. That's, it's the, just it's just, the just the way you. he's playing for us. Yeah, and just the way he's playing for us and the numbers he's got, and you just look at his international record. I'm just, I'm really, really shocked that like n- no big club in the top tier are looking at him right now. I'm sure they are, and they probably will make a move. But he, he, he could, he could really do some damage with a big, big team. But I don't There's want to go. Absolutely no way he's going anywhere. There's no way we're selling. And no. you know, he's he's had chances to go in the past. Um, but I just think he's happier. He likes it here. Anyway, let, let's move on. We could we could sit here and gush about Mitro all day, yeah. and I'd, I'd absolutely love to. But you know, everyone's got lives to get on with. So um, after the goal, Marco Silva made a triple substitution, replacing Mitro, Cabano, and Reed with Muniz, Carvalho, and Tom Kearney. There wasn't much time for any of them to influence the game particularly, but I think it was the right time to make a change, given that the game was quite delicate at two 0 as, as I said earlier. Plus, we've got. Wednesday against Blackburn and we've got Saturday against Peterborough to look forward to. So um, I was quite happy with the changes he made. But then moments later, after making those changes, Tosin was sent off for that bad foul. This is a really frustrating one and he's going to be a big loss for us over the next three games, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think think, think Mawson can fill in quite nicely where he plays or even Hector. I mean, there's an argument to be made that Mawson and Reem are too similar actually in the way they play. But yeah, it's he's been so important for us and just got stronger and stronger and just been a complete brick wall for us. Um, I thought the tackle was, I think the sending off was the right call. I don't know yeah. about you guys, but I mean, it looks pretty, pretty nasty. And I know what he's trying to do. I mean, he's, he's preempting something and and he, and he's obviously thinking about the next move to make, but he's just made it far too early and it's just studs up and just could, could have been really bad. Again, you hear this sort of thing banded about quite a lot. He's not that sort of player. I don't think he set yeah. out to, to to make that tackle. It was just a mistimed tackle um, that just went wrong for him. But, you know, it's, it's a shame. And it's a shame that we're going to have to break up that uh, defensive partnership 
who now, you know, we've not conceded a goal for a while now, have we? The last goal game we conceded a goal in was QPR, so three clean sheets in a row, um, which is good since Marek Rodak's come back in. But it's either going to be um, Hector or Mawson or maybe Adoy stepping over to, to centre-half. But I'll, I'll ask you about that when we come on to the Blackburn game in a minute. But before we do that, let's let's talk about man of the match uh, for the West Brom game. Wigo? Well, the obvious answer is obviously the big man up front, Alexander Mitrovic. Um, Alexander know. Mitrovic, who's he? I don't I've never heard oh, of him. Oh, sorry, before. I meant I meant uh, Mitro, <laughs> him. Yeah, <laughs> obviously he's the obvious choice, isn't he? But then I feel like it's almost too obvious that I want to go for someone else. So if I'm not going to go for Mitrovic, I will personally say Harry Wilson. Um, thought he was brilliant yesterday, and the assist for the third goal was brilliant. Um, to find Mitrovic in sort of a crowd of West Brom players. So yeah. Obviously, it's definitely Mitro, but uh, Harry Wilson is going to get it just because of the obvious uh, Mitro choice. If, if you're talking about assists, then, you know, again, notable mention to Robert Snodgrass. Robert Snodgrass, yeah. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> for, for, me, for me, it's got to be Mitro. I can't, I can't look past Mitro again. I'm sorry. Go on, J-Mac. No, I mean, it's Mitro. I mean, if I wanted to be a complete fucking hipster and do something different, I mean, I could say Harry Wilson like Wigo. I mean, you can see that Harry Wilson has really benefited <laughs> by... Interchanging with Bobby Reed with that 10 right side, but the, the assists and that back heel he did in the last game, Harry Wilson, that didn't actually end up in a goal. I mean, he's he, he's growing into it again now, Harry Wilson. It's good to see. I just love Cabano, and I just think he's been looking so fun, uh, so fun to watch, like a little mini Cristiano for us. But yeah, it's going to go to Mitrovic, but kudos to everyone because I mean, I think everyone's on, on fire at the moment, not just the big man himself. Just ask as well, actually, do you think that Carvalho would struggle to get back into those three of Cabano, Decordover, Reed and Wilson, considering how well they've been playing? Mm. And Reed and Wilson have been interchanging really well. Can you do you think Carvalho will struggle to get back in? No. Don't. No, I don't. Who would you, I don't. Who would you, who would you when drop? Because when you came... Reed? Yeah, I'd drop, I'd drop Bobby, Bobby Reed, Reed yeah. myself. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, drop Bobby Reed. Or just move Bobby Reed out onto the wing and drop Cabano. That's, that's no, another option. It's, it's another yeah. option, though, isn't it? It's, no, it's I, good, just think, it's, yeah. I just think the interchanging between Wilson, between Wilson and um, Reed has been fantastic. That actually, I don't think that would happen with Carvalho and Wilson. But we don't, so, we don't but, create enough. We don't create enough chances. That's yeah, my problem. And that's it. And that's the thing as well. It's like that's why I'm asking the question because actually we've been so good and they've been working so well. But actually, look at when Carvalho was on absolute top form. Look how good we were. So it's like, you know, which way do you go with it? I think we'll go back with Carvalho. But yeah, interesting opinions. I also think, just to add to that, Carvalho, when he came on as a substitute, I mean, he played an amazing pass at one point. So you can just, even just as a substitute, you can see how much of a difference he will make when he starts for us. But I do like the idea of him worrying about his place. I don't know what's going on. He might be ready to sign a contract and the agent thing is just, you know, him changing his agent is just just the agent. He's not looking for a move away. But I, I I hope he's I hope he's looking at our team, thinking I want to play for this team. It looks really good, <laughs> it looks really fun, and I, we're definitely going to be in the Premier League where I want to be. So I'm hoping that he is feeling a bit of pressure. But definitely, I would start him in the number ten role every day. Yeah, yeah. Let's get him back in. Well, let's come on to that Blackburn game. Then we travel up to Ewood Park on on Wednesday this week. Blackburn currently sitting seventh place. They're on twenty five points, eleven points below us 
And of course, Ben Brereton Diaz has become a decent player ever since he's become a Chilean international and uh, and chucked Diaz onto onto his surname. I think he's got 12 goals in 15 games so far this season. He's having a decent season. What have you guys made of Blackburn this season so far? Pretty good. I mean, I, I like their manager a lot. He's he's a really experienced coach, and you know Celtic and or, or Coventry and stuff like that. But I, I feel like I mean, they're where are they? They're eleventh in the form table at the moment. They've lost. They've won their last two games, and just I I quite I've always liked Blackburn as a club. To be honest, I've always thought they've been always played quite good football and stuff. But they're they 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 seem to favour attacking on the right side a lot more than anywhere else, and a lot of their action comes from the middle third. So they've got a good midfield. But another player who's also looking very good for the moment is um, Gallagher, who who plays on the right for them, um, or can actually play anywhere along the front three. Really, really good in this last game. Really good form. I think I think we should be able to do a job on them, to be honest. But I mean, as as it goes, I, I think I think they're playing quite well. They could maybe push the top six. I'm not too sure. So it is a tricky game, a very tricky game going up there. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about this one. What, how, what have you made of, uh, of Blackburn, Wigo? Let's, let's ask you that first. Um, yeah, you know, they are where they are for a reason. They're a good side. I actually think their results have been sort of average. The teams they've beaten, they should be, if that makes sense. You know, they've lost to Huddersfield and Blackpool and uh, QPR, I think they lost to as well. So, you know, they've beaten, as I said, they've beaten the teams, you know, below they beat Reading. We couldn't beat Reading. That's fine. Um, beat Cardiff. I mean, anyone can beat Cardiff, apart from Stoke. Um, but, you know, as I say, they are where they are. And I think the playoffs have been brewing for a few years for them. I think they'd be a lot higher on the table if they did keep Adam Armstrong. Um, but that was always going to be a challenge for them as like, you know, being mid-table um, all the time. But Diaz is sort of, or Brereton Diaz has... Uh, stepped up to become sort of the main man for them and um it's good to see because we were talking to some forest fans last week on the way back and they said uh, about you know forest letting him go to blackburn and they were a bit surprised by it and he's really come into form this season and um you know good for him and he's you know a chilean star now also just to say um the last game teo aden who's our ex-player obviously plays for them on the left hand side as a left back um, he played in their last game, so it'd be quite good to see him again. I think he's been doing very well, annoyingly, because you know usually we like our players to do badly when they leave us. But he's, um, yeah, it's gonna be good to see him again as well. I just wanted to say that. Oh, that's that slipped under the radar. I didn't even realise he was there, to be honest. So yeah, that that'd be interesting. I'm just having a look at their their form this season as well. They've only lost once at home all season so far, and that was at home to West Brom. So this is going to be no pushover, that's for sure. Absolutely not. Um, and last time we went to a, a team with a with a decent home record was that bloody Coventry game again as well, wasn't it? So um, I, I hate that I keep bringing that game up, but I feel like that's a real a real kind of defining moment of our season. And I think that will just keep on rearing its ugly head from time to time. That 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 game when we're having these conversations. But I feel like but the Coventry good. game is sort of one of those where you it can happen, and we can see it happening. Like the Blackpool game as well. You know, look, I was fuming after those two games and. You know, I'm more. You're obviously going to be more optimistic after a win, but we know it can happen. Anyone can beat anyone in this league. The results can fly all over the place. So, you know that it it can happen. It it does happen. It's football, isn't it? So, but yeah, Coventry had a decent home record. Blackburn do, but we look we look better now. We look a lot better, and we look like we've learned from that uh, lesson that we got taught there. 
Well, obviously, we're not going to have Tosin available. So, as I said earlier in the show, when we were looking at the, the uh, West Brom review, this could be a big opportunity for either Michael Hector or Alfie Mawson to step in alongside Tim Ream. Or what would you guys do? Would you put Kenny Tete in and move Adoy to centre-half? What do you think? I would... No. Uh, I mean, Adoy, we know Adoy can do the centre-half thing and, and uh, it would be a very good reason to get Kenny Tete and, and Adoy on at the same time and not do much, you know, not hurt Adoy's feelings by not being left in the team. But I would rather see Alfie Mawson. I know Alfie Mawson didn't have the, the best game for us um, when he played last with uh, Tim Ream. But I, I just, I think Marcus Silva clearly favours Mawson over Hector. Um, and I, I think it will be Mawson. I do think as two, I think they've both got left feet. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not too sure, but they can... I don't know their their record together as centre backs hasn't always been brilliant, but I do I I can't see Michael Hector being favoured for this at but, all. Do you um, know? But Alfie Mawson wasn't even on the bench at the weekend, and Michael Hector was, which mm. makes me think it could be Hector coming in for for his opportunity. And and let's be honest, I, I worry about match fitness of Michael Hector, but. Last time he stepped in for us in January and had that amazing second half of the season, which really did contribute to us going up, I think. Um, yeah. He hadn't played any matches then either. So his match fitness was was zilch. So I, I wouldn't necessarily be adverse to him coming in and filling in for, for these three games and seeing how he gets on. Hector would be my choice. I mean, I, I, have, I feel like I've said it a lot this season that actually he's a really good option and he is one of the reasons we did get promoted that time. He's fantastic. He's good on the ball. You know, he was, last season, Wackham Anderson, in my opinion, was just a better Michael Hector. He was like a Premier League Hector. He was good at defending and he had the range of passing, which Hector has for us. Um, and yeah, I'd favour him every single day of the week. I really like Michael Hector. Um, I think he has to come in. I would be very surprised if it's Mawson. But yeah, as you say, you know, Silver has had a go with him and obviously it didn't go well. So, I can't really call it, but uh, Hector for me. I just want to say three things, actually. First, th- never take anything I fucking say seriously, because apparently I, uh, Alfie Mawson has, is right-footed. So uh, <laughs> I'll just scratch, scratch that out. But but also just the um, with the centre-back, I think actually that's a really good point you made about Michael Hector, um, just with how when he came in, the season changed for us. I don't think obviously he'll replace Adarabio, but he will... He could definitely do a job for us. I just want to also, as my third point to make about Marcus Bettinelli and how he's changed us. It, like it's very much similar to when he came in for uh, Marcus Bettinelli. Since he's come in and replaced uh, Gazaniga, our XG has gone up. I mean, huge amounts. I mean, I know he's played four games as opposed to Gazaniga's eleven, but I mean. RXG is 1.68 under Rodak now. And before with Gazaniga, it was 0.77. So there is a huge... And his save percentage is 85.71%. And Gazaniga's is 61.76. Obviously, Gazaniga's played more games, but I just want to just give Shiv a shout-out for uh, Rodak, who's been brilliant. It, Another clean sheet for him. I suppose it's got Gazaniga's dive percentage on there, has it? Because most of the goals... No, in it's certainly just, not. He just stood there and watched it go in, from what I remember. Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, but anyway, going back to it, Michael Hector, I think sounds good. Change my mind. So it's a, it's a three game week, right? So a lot of those players played the best part of 90 minutes the other day, um, apart from those three who came off um, with, with eight or nine minutes to go of the game. So do we change it up for, for this one or again, keep it the same? Keep it. 
I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, it's we were really good. We've been really good the last few games. Um, probably keep Harris and Reed again over Kenny personally. Would you? Just I, I reckon. I've, just I was going to say, I think Kenny's going to start this one. That's it's my just gut. for the bite in the midfield. You know, we've got that bit of. You know, Reed is. You know, he's tiny, but he's so strong. Yeah. And I feel like you need that because Kearney and Seri, fantastic. We won 4-0 at Forest, not criticising them at all. They're very similar, though, in terms of it's all about the distribution. Sometimes yeah. you want one distributor and one to just get stuck in. Um, so but that that is only the only reason why. Um, and it's such a good problem to have, you know, Kearney or Reed in the championship. I mean, what a place to be in. Mm. Um, everywhere else to keep the same, obviously, Carvalho, he will come in at some point. But you know, he's been out for nine games. There's no way he's going to start yet. I think we'll be looking at after the international break for him. So uh, maybe a cameo appearance, depending on how we're playing. Um, but yeah, more or less the same, I think, from uh, Saturday with Hector in centre-back and Tete at right-back. I completely agree with that. If it isn't broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, maybe bring Tete in because I think he's had enough time to heal up now and not be a full starter for him to come in. Um, I'd like to see that link up with him and Wilson again, for sure. So, yeah, I, I don't change it. Cool. Other than All, right, lads. <laughs> All right, lads, let's, let's get your score prediction then. Uh, I'm going to go 2-0 Fulham. And Ooh, Mitro, nice. to, Mitro to bag both of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, another, another clean sheet. I think, I think we can do it. We're good enough for that. So, yeah, 2-0. I'm going to say 3-1. I think we could concede, concede this game. Um, I think at home they're quite good. So I will going to go with 3-1. Meet you on the score of Brace. Perfect. And as per usual, I'm not going to give a score prediction because every time I do, we lose. So I'm going to sit on the fence and keep my beak out of it. Yeah, your All predictions right. are atrocious. Well, I just Fulham get a bit carried five, away. Fulham are going to win 5-0 at Blackpool, is it? Or 4-0 or something yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, stupid. <laughs> it still makes me laugh so much how you went onto Blackpool's pod and just said you're going to dip them 4 0 or 5 0. Everyone just still yeah. cracks me up that story. Yeah, we, anyway, we, deserve, we deserve to lose just for that. No, fair enough. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That's your lot for this time. Thanks, J Mac. Thanks, Wigo, for joining me. Thanks to you at home for listening. We'll be back on Thursday morning with all the fallout from that big match at Ewood Park on Wednesday evening. So until then, have a great week and speeches to you. Cheers. Fulham.